Welcome to the Luxury Listing Specialist Podcast with Michael Lafito, where top luxury agents reveal their best practices, plus interviews with real estate industry influencers, thought leaders, and luxury marketing experts. You'll come away from each episode with new strategies and tactics to dominate high-end homes in any market. And now for the latest episode of Luxury Listing Specialist, here's your host, luxury real estate expert, coach and trainer, Michael Lafito. Welcome back, everybody. You're in for a special treat. I'm your host, Michael Lafito. You're in the right place if you're a team leader, you're a broker owner, or you're an individual agent, and you're looking to bring more value to your clients. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the mindset, you know, how high net worth individuals think, how they purchase, how they invest. And we're, we're really excited. We have a, a powerful guest on today. Just a reminder, if you guys are getting value from this episode or previous episodes, please leave us a review, five-star review, leave us a like, and you'll have the ability to ask questions of today's guest. And you can always shoot me an email at michael at marketingluxurygroup.com, michael at marketingluxurygroup with any questions you have. Uh, that perhaps you're listening to the replay of this. Again, this is, uh, we have well over 270 podcast episodes now. And so you can always listen to previous episodes as well. You can literally go to iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or you can go to luxurylistingpodcast.com, luxurylistingpodcast. And as always, if you'd like additional information on the Lux designation, you can go to luxurylistingpodcast.com specialist.com luxury listing specialist.com all right so we are excited about today's guest uh, literally we're talking about what keeps people awake at night how do people think we we talk about reverse engineering and today we're talking about high net worth individuals i have the co-founder of wealth x joining us david you there greetings hey thank you so much for uh, joining us you know, as 2024 gets underway here, as, as, as uh, you know, interest rates are coming down, uh, yeah, again, our, our audience is team leaders, broker owners, individual agents. We have some people listen to our podcast that are just curious as to what's going on in the upper price point. So first off, tell everybody a little bit about you, a little background on what WealthX is and, and how you work uh, the upper price point in, in regards to what is a high net worth individual? What do they look like? What do they, def you know, how do you define them? So tell everybody a little bit about your company and then we'll get into what is a high net worth individual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Um, I think that story is helpful. Um, so, and by the way, just to kind of uh, take what you did and, and, um, and hitchhike off of it. Please. WealthX was my last company. Wealth Quotient is my latest venture over the last several years, but they complement each other and I'll talk about how. So, uh, WealthX originally was born out of an idea and concept that was driven by the board of directors at Forbes in that they were looking for a way to diversify away from advertising revenues. Um, and my co-founder at WealthX was chief information officer of Forbes Media. It was his task to go out and figure out the data side as part of a strategic roadmap for Forbes. Um, that uh, led him to believe and understand that most of the data in the world was based on what we would call zip plus four or household income data. And the population that was entirely absent from those data sets was the, the ultra high net worth. 
Um, you couldn't, if you were focused on filters by using household income, for example, um, you were going to miss them. So they were, they were fortunately at that point, <laughs> they were, they weren't categorized. So we built WealthX as a database of using manual open source uh, information where we would manually curate and write a dossier on each individual person uh, based on their net worth and liquidity. So that company did well. We, we did a majority recap with uh, private equity fund in New York. But as I was leaving my co um, my head of sales there, who's now my co-founder at Wealth Quotient, one of the things that we witnessed, and I think this is important and we're getting into content here for everyone. One of the things we witnessed and one of the key drivers for starting Wealth Quotient was how actually, so data is great um, and it, it helps you, but how actually do you get to these individuals? How do you get a ultra high net worth individual as a client? And I spent an enormous, I was very fortunate because of WealthX um, to spend, uh, you know, hours and hours and hours in, in conversations with the top executives across luxury brands, financial services, uh, nonprofits and higher education, asking them, well, how do you actually get to one of these individuals? How do you get one? And and so uh, the philosophical architecture that I would want to lay for our conversation is we talk about the more specific aspects and the implications is at the end of the day, we believe there's only really two ways to engage this audience or get to them. And this can be for someone who's high net worth, which means they have a net worth of, say, five million. Ultra affluent would be someone 30 million and up. Demi billionaire would be half a billion and then even a billionaire. But these principles and concepts that we're getting ready to talk to actually apply to anyone. Um, they get more and more acute as you go up the food chain, if you will. Um, but but even in I was just talking about this recently from a, um, with the former global head of HR at Meta uh, on the sales side. We were talking about coaching and uh, we were recognizing the fact that asking great questions is such a key strategy. And that works, for example, whether you're, it's someone's a billionaire or high network. But there's two key drivers. One is um, their relational network. Uh, which is why referrals and everyone who's watching this podcast knows referrals are one of the key, if they're the key driver of new client acquisition at any, at any level. But as you get up to the high net worth and ultra high net worth and, and the higher in the, if you want to call that the luxury segmentation, it becomes even more important. The second part is their passions, hobbies, and interests. They, the things that they care about, um, which may or may not be intersections with what you care about, but it's about them and what their their passions, their hobbies and interests. And I was just recently, for example, in a, uh, a gathering in Sonoma Valley uh, with with individuals who are super passionate about cars. And there are people there that have 15 cars or people that have 20 cars and they have millions and millions. And they love these cars. And and that that was a cornerstone for this community of people to come together and engage with each other, regardless of the backgrounds. Regardless. So, so those those are two really key um, points in terms of thinking about how to engage this audience. So, so so engagement, right? Building rapport. Uh, you know, the old nobody cares how much you you know until you know you care. So, figuring out their passions, their hobbies, and interests. Uh, that's a great point. So again, we're talking about high net worth individuals, uh, and again let's first off talk about, let's define high net worth individuals. Then I want to go into passions, hobbies, and interests. So how do you, uh, for, you know, WealthX and, and your current company, how did you come up with a definition? Is it a, is it a standard definition? Like for our luxury, we define a luxury home as three times the average sale price. We developed that through our own research. It's not a industry wide definition. Talk to me about how do you define high net worth individuals? And is that 
is that something that you came up with or is it kind of known throughout the world or is it North America specific? So I the the definite let's start with um, the 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 flag that we kind of the stake we put in the ground at, at WealthX, my last company, was to define what ultra high net worth meant. And and I think in Wikipedia, if you look it up, it will say WealthX kind of defined it. But we we put a stake in the ground to say that ultra high net worth and really were the ones that for the first to come out and make it an institutionalized definition that ultra high net worth means a 30 million net worth. Um, and more. And and that was, there was a lot of different, there was a tower of Babel of definitions. Some people said it was 30 million in, um, in, ass, in, in, in uh, liquidity, for example, right? So, um, and I think the Cap Gemini report at that time used that kind of definition. But, but since at WealthX, we were the first enterprise in the, in really in history to gather data from the ground up on each one of these individuals versus a top-down approach, which was used by, say, McKinsey or Capgemini, all these different consulting firms who do surveys, and even the most recent UBS, um, the UBS report, the, these are all based on surveys. Doesn't mean it's not good, but we were the first, and we had the authority because we had data they didn't have to say this is how we're going to define it, um, and so it was thirty million net worth. Um, then so, you can so thirty million plus net worth is how you define. Uh, ultra high net worth individual. That's so sometimes uh, for our listeners, you might see a abbreviation of UHNW. Okay. Um, so one, one step down below that is just high net worth individual, right? So uh, how would your HNWI many times you see that? So how, how would you define a high net worth individual? That gets that gets a little bit more loose, but in general, where we kind of we would say it's someone who has a net worth of of say um, kind of five million between five million and the thirty, right? Um, okay, net worth. Uh, but it but again, it gets a little bit more loosey goosey there. Thirty million net worth was kind of hard and fast on the ultra affluent high net worth kind of um, you know in WealthX. If you go look at a WealthX report today, and I don't you know I'm no longer there, but I don't know, but they will have a very specific definition. Sure, um, sure. That they, that they use, but in general, when we talk about high net, when I talk about high net worth, I would say it's somebody, you know, it's it's someone who's above a millionaire but below ultra high net worth, right? So okay, all right. So you know, five five million to thirty million would be a high net worth individual, right? You know, back in the day, a million net worth, net worth, not liquidity. Yeah, yeah, net worth, right? Yeah, not liquidity. Um, so they could have assets and liquidity that totals those numbers. That's right. That's right. Okay. So again, for our listeners, two terms that you maybe have heard about, maybe you haven't, but HNWI, high net worth individual. Uh, again, five million to thirty million in assets, approximately. And a step up from that is what we call ultra high net worth individuals. And those are 30 million and above in net worth. So, hey, so first off, thank you. Now let's get back um, to passions, hobbies, and interest. Okay. So how did they think? You know, what's important to them? What keeps them awake at night? Part of our, our title is, you know, how do the, the, the high net worth individuals, how do the wealthy, you know, how do they buy? How do they invest? Uh, what excites them? you know, what keeps them awake at night, right? And so talk to me a little bit about passions, hobbies, and interest 
of high net worth individuals and ultra high net worth individuals. You mentioned multiple vehicles. You know, in my own market, I'm based in the Chicagoland market. You're absolutely correct on the multiple vehicle standpoint. Uh, and many times they're buying the car and, and trading it in and making money and getting another one. And right. it's just one of many vehicles. Right, right. It, it becomes, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a convergence of passion, but also the, who they are as an individual and in that they're, they're not going to sell it for a loss, right? <laughs> they're quite, so they, the, the trading or the, the making money undercurrent overflows into everything they do. Right. So it's a, you're right. They're going to, they, it's a big, it's fun for them to trade, to trade. It's just a large, it's like trading cards, right? They're just a lot more expensive. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And, yeah. It, and it's fun and it's fun for the, it's fun for them. Right. So, um, you know, it, it's interesting it, it, as you think about passions, hobbies and interests, there's, there's kind of, what I'm going to say may seem a little bit contradictory, not contradictory, paradoxical, but I'm going to resolve it for you because the the, the irony is that, and, and it, it's very similar if you've ever heard in the family office space is a saying, if you've seen one family office, you've seen one family office, right? So the idea is that what that what an individual is passionate about is particular to them. And, and so while the reality is there are broader trends, and I'm going to talk about a few, uh, it, it the idea of, of how to engage an individual is you really have to come with a very bespoke mentality. And so um, just to just to just to drill down very quickly into a very tactical, uh, concrete tool that we coach and use at Wealth Quotient that everyone that's listening can walk away with. And in many ways, we're recycling uh, Andrew Carnegie, uh, Andrew Carnegie, right, which is, you know, influence. The, the, the great sales book where he said, if you want to be interesting, be interested, kind of an, that's the other version of what you just said. Uh-huh. But, but what does that mean and translate if you're going into a meeting with a, a prospect who's ultra high net worth? And so I will give you one of the tools that we use and coach. And that is trying to understand that person. So doing as much research as you can about them to understand what makes them tick, their passions, hobbies and interests. But then taking all of that information as much as you can. And if there's articles and so forth, taking that information and curating it and then crystallizing it and boiling it down into five key questions that you have that in those five key questions should have nothing to do with your agenda, your product, your offering, what you're trying to sell, what you're trying to accomplish. They should be completely focused on trying to engage um, that, that person. And so that is a great discipline as far as having the right mindset for a sales professional going in to understanding the right mindset of the person sitting in front of them. Because if you go in with that discipline, even if you don't use those questions, um, asking great questions does accomplishes, you know, so many different things psychologically. One, it, it, it convinces the person you're genuinely interested. Um, and if you took the time to do that, then you are genuinely interested, right? Um, it, it, even if they and most ultra high net worth individuals, and as you get up to scale, especially as you get to billionaires, they they believe that everyone is coming at them and everyone wants something from them. So skeptical by nature, right? They've been taken advantage of. They've been taken advantage of family, friends. You know, it's not just the NBA players, the NFL players that come from nothing. They got all this money, and then they have all these people borrowing money. It's not just them. I mean, it's well educated families. It's, it's everybody. It's, it's everybody, everybody, right? And so they're. Even when you're even when someone's not genuinely trying to take advantage, they have this they have so much scar tissue 
um, that they've built out over because people try to take advantage or them or get to them. So that even when you're not taking advantage, they're assuming. And and just quickly, the way that this manifests typically, like especially as the billionaire, I talk a lot about the fact that there in many, many of the people, if you've ever dealt with a billionaire, it could be ultra high net worth as well. And they nitpick around a very small fee that I, where they may spend hundreds of thousands of dollars over here. But but there's a ten thousand dollar fee over here that they are going to fight to the bitter death for. And you most people look at that and say, these I don't understand it. Why? What's the mindset? Why, what are they doing there? And the mindset behind it, it has nothing to do. It, it's not the money. It's it's being taken advantage of. It's feeling like and wondering if they're being taken advantage of in a very small thing. And so. It's it's the difference between, you know, that's why billionaires, most billionaires, I would say, are very frugal, but it's they have very different economic mindsets. Right. So um, so so that's 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 something that's really important in terms of understanding and how you approach and the, the oh, asking. So asking. If you go, sorry, go ahead. No. So am I being taken advantage of? Right. So I had, you know, our upcoming book is called Secrets of Top Luxury Agents. And I had undercover billionaire Glenn Stearns write the forward of this book. You see an image come across right here. You see Glenn Stearns. And so that's one of the things Glenn talked about. I point blank asked him because I thought I, I'm pretty sure I knew the answer. But, you know, multiple properties, vacation properties. And I asked him, what's probably the biggest quality you look for in an agent when you're buying a vacation property, secondary property. Can I trust them? Number one. So that ties in to, am I being taken advantage of? Does this person just want to sell me something? Or are they an advisor, a consultant, or are they a salesperson? So am I being taken advantage of? So I just wanted to bring that up because you hit the nail on the head. It's a common theme. It's not going away for our listeners. Again, how do you build rapport? How do you build trust? Uh, you know, we have David here. David, just to recap, David's talked a lot about high net worth individuals, ultra high net worth individuals. We've shared a lot of nuggets on here so far. And the other aspect he's talked about is passions, hobbies, and interest, building rapport, building trust. So keep going. I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I wanted to bring that up because I felt like no, it was really important. No, it's, it's right. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, what we're all talking about is is human psychology, frankly, right? So and we're all, I believe, wired to we're all wired fundamentally to try to connect. Um, and then we build scar tissue up in certain ways. So and, and this always happens when you're at a gathering and meet someone and they went to the same university or, they, you know, someone, whatever it is, we're looking for those connections. Um, and we use the term a lot, creating coincidences. So it's not it's not Machiavellian to have researched ahead of time the fact that somebody went to a university and bringing that up and creating that coincidence because that's how trust that's how trust happens and how trust is formed but what i was going to say is that even if even in the face of this is the the great irony even in the face of this great skepticism and scar tissue and being taken advantage of when you ask questions you ask thoughtful questions even when they know that you may be trying to sell them something um, and even if they completely position you that way, um, asking great questions will start the process of eroding that skepticism and building trust. And um, even if they're positioned against it, even if they know that you're asking questions, because we as humans, uh, when someone asks us a great question, it, it really probes and, and goes deep. I was at a 
dinner uh, recently with someone and um, he's a very wealthy individual. He's on the board of a lot of companies. He ran one of the biggest defense companies in the world. And um, and we were in a, the setting was important because we were there as a con, as a broader context of, of collections in a, a specific passion area. But, um, you know, I we were talking a lot and he was he was talking a lot. And and but I asked him a great question because we were talking about mergers. And I said, have you, do you can you recall one great merger that's ever happened or, or acquisition? Because um, we were talking about strategically when corporations acquire and merge. And he paused and he said, no, he said, that is a great question. And I knew, and then he, and then he literally handed me his business card after that and said, I'd love to connect with you. And, um, and I said, sure. Um, but you know, it was, it was just thoughtful questions and being and that, and that's something he's passionate about as an executive. And, and so, so, so the five, so that's a great tool, which is as a discipline, if you're going into a meeting, by the way, this discipline can work for a new prospect. It can also work for someone who's an existing client who you're trying to build a closer relationship with and trying to migrate and transform them into more of a referral source. So it's a discipline that anyone can do. Anyone can do this. My, you know, my 14 year old son, who's so we're talking about these five key questions. You're talking about discipline right now. Have you gone into these yet? I want to put them on the screen if you have. No. So the five questions are ones that you have the the sales professional have to create themselves based their bespoke. But there are five really interesting questions that have to do and revolve around center on the passions, hobbies and interests of that person. So they're really about what's important to that person. Right. So, um, and my son, because he's 14 years old, but he's absorbed all this stuff because he's been around it. If you put him in a room with a bunch of, no offense to JP Morgan, but JP Morgan bankers or private bankers from any one of the institutions, and they were in the room, not that they would get Bill Gates as a client, but if they were trying to engage Bill Gates, they would all talk about his philanthropy and his billionaire pledge, right? My son would ask the question because he read about it and he asked me and he said he, he thought it was the most interesting thing. Why did, why did Bill Gates choose... Um, the the Beatitudes as his senior kind of speech that he gave, right? I mean, and it's a small thing, but it, it's it pop it would pop him out of the fray in a question like that, where everybody else is praising him for his philanthropy, right? So, 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 so by bespoke, uh, for those of you that are listening, bespoke is customized, custom, custom, unique. Uh, it's it's thought provoked. It's it's one of a kind, so to speak, right? It's not the cookie can, hey, tell us about, you know, this philanthropical or asking questions, differentiating. Differentiate, yes. Right, yeah. differentiate. Right? We talk about, yeah. we teach agents all the time, don't show up like everybody else. When everybody goes left, go right. And so differentiate with your questions. So what I hear you saying, just again, for those that are listening, some people are working out, some people are driving, you know, you're talking about five key questions and you don't have the questions. It's there, But what you're saying is each individual is different. Do your research on their passions, hobbies and interests and develop unique bespoke questions based on their success or maybe their failures. Uh, asking yeah. questions that maybe somebody else, you know, hasn't asked them about but passions, hobbies and interests. Correct. That's correct. We just, we just, I just did this exercise with five top performers from who's who of luxury um, that are in a mastermind class I'm coaching. And we just did this where I gave them a newspaper, just one newspaper article on one person. And I said, 
read the article and then have five questions. And each one of them came up with really unique approaches based on their own view, but questions that really had nothing to do with real estate, right? They were all about what that person, one was, I think, on George, George Soros's son who just took over, you know, and what about legacy, all kinds of that, the other things. So it's just a great exercise. It's a great exercise, frankly, for sales professional. It's a great exercise as a human being, right? So like it just, it forces asking, you. Asking better questions, thought provoking questions, yeah. taking into it. I mean, so again, for those of you that are just tuning in, Michael Lafito here, you're listening to another episode of the Luxury Special Podcast. I'm so excited about today's guest. We're talking about high net worth individuals. We're talking about what keeps them awake at night. How do they purchase? How do they, how do they give? How do they invest? Uh, David, former co-founder of WealthX, uh, co-founder of Wealth Quotient. Uh, am I pronouncing that right? Yeah, you got it. It's just yeah. like an IQ, like your intellectual quotient, wealth quotient. Yeah. Yeah. So some some great information. Like literally, we were just having a conversation. I was with my seventh grader yesterday about basketball. He wanted to get more playing time and 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 asking the right question to the coach versus can right. I start? It's you know, hey, what can I do to get better? Asking the right question. So it's it's right. it's an artwork. I mean, literally, I just invested in a a a program a book a black book if you will on on book of questions to ask right the and and how to ask them and and so instead of solution questions hey you're interested in my coaching program here's what it's going to do for you more problem solving and awareness um so trying to develop a connection is really key so uh, you see a lot of Tony Robbins' success leaves clues. Well, same thing with high net worth individuals, your passions, hobbies, and interests. So again, I, I don't want to take you out of your, um, you're in a groove here, but I want to just to kind of recap for our listeners that maybe fast forward, they're just listening for the first time. Um, so excited to have you on here. We're talking about high net worth, ultra, ultra high net worth individuals, what keeps them awake at night, five key questions. Um, you know, again, they want to know, are they being taken advantage of? So what can you do to build trust? And you talked about creating coincidences as well by doing some research on them. So uh, so let's carry on. But great so information. I, one, one thing to add on the the am I being taken advantage of? I think one of we all know that one of the things that helps create trust is transparency. And so communicating, um, you know, why something is there versus them just seeing it. So for example, I talked about the difference where they might spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on over here, uh, but they're they're hung up on this $10,000 fee. So, you know, heading them off at the pass by bringing it up and saying, you might be wondering, because what people do is they assume that smaller fee, they're not gonna care about it, right? And what that does is that actually compounds the, the feeling that they're getting taken advantage of because they see it, they don't know what it is. And versus being able to head them off of the pass and saying, well, let me walk through every aspect of, of what's going on here and be completely transparent so that you have it. I know um, I have a great story where there was an old client of ours and they worked with billionaires and um, they were in the, the wealth design space. So they would come in and, and, and create these elaborate plans and designs around structures and wealth design using life insurance and other things. But but there were this was for a billionaire in New York, actually he's one of the largest commercial real estate holders. 
and he he it there was a bake-off between i don't know five or six firms some of the biggest brands you know and um this gentleman was actually a small boutique brand and firm um and he went into the meeting and he, he tells the story he went into the meeting and he did something that no one usually does or no one does he was completely transparent about his fees he from the very beginning and people in the meeting were kind of like what are you doing don't do that and he he said this is how much we're going to make this is where it comes from and he was totally transparent about it and because of that he actually won won the assignment he won the relationship and he built the trust and listen you have to use discretion and you have to use wisdom but but going back to being transparent so um you know michael let me let me transition us because we we got into some very concrete tactical um tools on how to engage this audience uh the you know their mind thinking about their mindset understanding that passions hobbies and interests five questions so there's some very let me let me pull back now though and and let's talk about from a mindset perspective some of the kind of more macro trends that are going on that are that are interesting so one of the biggest trends that i've seen um is that privacy is the i the new luxury and so privacy and then you can what you can say is is a core theme that has its own implications has manifestations across all all aspects of an ultra high net worth individual across their anatomy so this these things ripple across their anatomy and their anatomy is their family their jobs um, their philanthropy the different the different forms of capital that that would form their life right so so let's talk about, you know, on the digital side, digital privacy is becoming a huge, significant issue for ultra high net worth individuals, family offices um, because of next gen being on. Um, and so that's a big concern um, and for, for most of them um, on the on the for specifically within the, the domain of luxury real estate, a key implication of this trend is the growth of you know compounds right so we're seeing at least i've seen uh, i'm assuming folks that are listening and you as well have seen uh this trend where ultra high worth individuals are buying a place and then buying the properties next to them or the condos or they're building kind of a moat if you will around them if they can and so the rise of these compounds um is really you know a, a very similar did that happen i mean just had that happen in a town called Geneva, Illinois, it's about 30 miles west of Chicago, downtown, sold a $2.3 million property to a successful business owner. He owned a, a manufacturing company down the road. Right. And he knocked on the door of the house behind it. Very nice home. Yeah. Paid a premium. Right. Tore, tore it down and and there's a grass backyard. Uh, right. But he didn't want him someone looking into his window. Right. I mean, listen, that's the you, that you just captured the exact trend, but also the exact business owner, ultra high net worth individual, you know, and that makes sense. I, I mean, you know, if you I got I the more, money. You yeah, know, if you got the money. Because he could always resell that lot down the road, but he's enjoying sure. his time there, not looking at, you know, somebody else swimming in the backyard. Yep. So I think that's a big trend. And with with that trend of kind of I think that's the external kind of architecture, the, the external design aspect of, of luxury real estate, these compounds. The internal implications from an architectural standpoint is the rise of more more public spaces within the house where they can do more entertaining, I think. 
So rather, than, I think the pandemic shift the mindset many times, not that people aren't going out. They love going out and they will. But I think I think there was the pendulum. Obviously, they, they people only had people into their homes, but the pendulum is not is never going to swing back the other way. And I think a lot of these families are enjoying the idea of bringing people into their homes again and, and hosting salons and hosting conversations. And um, so I think that trend will continue. And that has an implication. That desire to do that has an implication for the way that homes are designed. It will have an implication for private chefs and the raw. I think there's going to be a, a real growth in the, the use of private chefs, not full time necessarily, um, but to to create a climate and environment for for people to have other people into their homes. Right. So, yeah, so are- I, I completely agree with you. I'm seeing that similar trend, not just locally, but, you know, as I travel, talk to others, uh, you know, I, I do believe that there's some some lack of trust as well in in perhaps the government and and the shutdowns and could it happen again and so let's be proactive in case it does having your own little compound and you can have you know guests or in-house quarters or like you said um so i i i do think that's driving some of it as well yeah that's that would be the macro geopolitical right which is and the, the underlying current there is control right so this i mean one of the key things that this this group likes to have is control and um, it's how they built their businesses. It's it's how they got things done. Um, so that that becomes, a, you know, if you think about these kind of core key impulses and then you're assessing the implications of those for how they operate. Right. So control is always always a big, a big thing from an investment standpoint. Um, as well. So yeah, and I, I would even say control and power, right? Um, so they're running their businesses, they don't like to be told what, you know, they're used to, to being kind of the top dog. So that's both control and they, they're in powerful positions. Yes. And then the real challenge, I mean, we're getting really into the psychology of it, but the challenge is when the more and more they the success that they, they the momentum they build around their success, uh, the more and more people that would speak truth to them, um, either leave or get removed. And then unfortunately it becomes echo chambers for a lot of folks. Now, great example of someone who didn't do that was Warren Buffett, which Charlie Munger, who uh, just passed away was his, he called, you know, Buffett called him the abominable no man <laughs> because he basically said no to every investment opportunity. But uh, you know, the sign of, of, I think the sign of, you know, real health, uh, among an individual at that level, especially at the billionaire level, is do you have someone that's like a Charlie Munger that can speak into your life that you listen to, or do you have echo chambers around you? So that's a great point. Great point. Yeah. Do you have do you surround yourself with a bunch of yes people, or do you surround yourself with people that challenge you? Um, and many times, uh, you know, that's part of the inner circle as well. That's the inner circle, right? Well, and, and, and the question, people may be listening going, well, yeah, but what does that have to do with me or selling real estate? And it has everything to do with you because it, it has, you have to determine how you're going to position yourself in your relationship with an individual. Are you going to, do you want to get the business? And in the way, the only way you're going to get the business is by being part of a culture of kind of telling someone what they want to hear. Or are you going to walk in and say, listen, this is the truth. This is what you need to do. And if you can't do that, then we probably shouldn't work together. Yeah. Um, so it, it does have direct implications for, you know, uh, how you operate, how you work with someone. 
Yeah, no, you, you bring up a great point. Uh, and there's a way to do it the proper way as well, right? So um, on the screen right here, you have Terry Sprague. He's with uh, Forbes Lux Properties on the West Coast. He's got this big, huge Ritz-Carlton uh, building that they're, uh, he represents. Great guy. And he's in our next book, Secrets of Top Luxury Agents. And he talks about how he lost a big listing at the appointment and later they went through one or two agents they interviewed him again and they hired him and he got it sold but he said hey if you don't mind me asking why why didn't you hire me basically the first time they said well you went right and, and he's dissecting what he could have done differently he was so right. focused on he looked at it as he's the doctor and he's telling him exactly what needs to be done to fix that ankle, that in injury. But yeah. he didn't build any rapport. He just went right into what's wrong with the house, what's wrong, what's wrong. Yeah. And so, again. They, they weren't ready to hear. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, the other way that we, the other way I express that is you also, it's a, you have to earn the right to be heard. So you're right. Coming in with the, the truth, you got to be careful with that because you will, um, you know, sometimes they're not ready to hear that yet. But, but listen, sales is two things, right? We always, everybody says this, everybody knows it's, do I like you and you can you do what I need, right? So, um, you know, cause there, those are the two things you got to do, but that's an interesting case study, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Well, good. What, what, uh, anything else that I know we have some resources for, uh, for the listener, we, you and I could talk on and on. I, I love that. About, <laughs> you're just no, a wealth think, of knowledge. I think we're I think we're right at that place where hopefully people want more. So I think that's where we want to leave them, right? <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, you're exactly right. So we have something uh, a a free offering for all the listeners. Uh, again, David was so kind, and I'm trying to bring value. So hey, what can we give to everybody? Obviously, we're limited in a, a 30 to 40 minute conversation. But if they liked what they heard, where could they get some additional information, more more info? And so. Uh, on the screen right here, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, there's a free download. Um, yeah. And, uh, I'm going to put that actually on the screen here. Uh, there's a link for the free download. Uh, I put it in the remarks section. But if you guys go to mywealthq.com forward slash free dash referral dash toolkit, they can literally download a toolkit to provide a guide through simple daily and weekly activities that will help begin gen generating ref referrals to new affluent clients. Is that correct? That's that's correct. This is kind of a, an action plan that, to help you start to think, because we didn't talk about it a lot, but the, the key, the core part of all the wealth quotient methodology is how can you how can you accelerate and be more proactive and systematic about referrals? Everyone talks about referrals. Everyone knows that referrals are important and everybody acknowledges referrals, how they get new clients, but what can you do proactively about it? And so we we're you know, at the heart of it, it's asking for a specific referral request is one of the key things. So this is kind of a toolkit to help you start to think about it, implement some things, et cetera. Yeah. So it's free. All right. that That's great. So free. So you guys try it, dip your little toes if you like it, or if you're like myself, you're an action taker and you want to implement more. You guys also have a more advanced, hands-on, module-based course, correct? We do. We have uh, we have a whole methodology. And so uh, I think what he's getting ready to show is the Hunt Worth introductory course that we have with with Who's Who Luxury Real Estate, um, is which is a, a key partnership for us. 
and it's it's we're only doing this with them. But this program is really the same program that um, a lot of our existing uh, business enterprise clients uh, go through, whether it, it's a Tiffany or a city private bank or some of the top luxury brands in the world. And this is access to the content. Um, and so there's two there's actually three components. One is what we call a boot camp, which is is it helps you on the mindset side, understand this market, understand the biggest mistakes people make. Um, and then we walk you through a five step methodology on how to accelerate proactive data driven um, referrals. And so we give you, we have a toolkit, we have the tools. Um, so, for example, we talked about the five questions. We have a tool there that walks you through how to actually do that in one page. The tools, the tools we've kept to one page. So it's something you can implement, and execute. Um, and so there's an entire content library there also about interviews I've done with different people across different industries. And then there's a bonus uh, that we added. So we, uh, my co-founder and I also launched a, a conference called the Ultra High Network Symposium a couple of years ago, which was uh, a, a platform and a conference to gather the, the top executives in luxury financial services and nonprofit to get together and have candid conversations about how do you actually get to this market? What are the best practices? What are the challenges? And so we, I have included that content um, in this as well. And, and literally there are interviews there with the chairman, chairman and former chairman of LVMH, Robert Frank from CNBC, um, the, this former CEO of Bugatti or Ferrari or Lamborghini. Um, and wow. it, it has the top executives in the world across financial services um, and the universities, the head of fundraising, and um, and also a few uh, ultra high net worth and billionaires themselves uh, giving their perspective on, you know, so so that content is in there as well. It's so really it's, actually it's the first all time. Listed. There's some bullet points on kind of what they get, what's included. Yeah, um, it's, it's an e-course. It's high net worth introductory program. Uh, normally nine ninety five. We're knocking one hundred dollars off uh, for the listeners. 10% off. I appreciate that. You guys can always send me an email and I can get you the promo, the coupon code, but I'm going to throw it on the screen here. If you guys go there, the promo code is just Lux, L-U-X-E underscore L-M-G. Lux underscore L-M-G. Uh, feel free to shoot me an email, Michael at marketingluxurygroup.com if you need us to send it to you, but the coupon code is on the screen. It's just Lux underscore L-M-G. And uh, we will also put this on the promotion uh, on YouTube and uh, when it's all out there. So, um, so David, uh, what's the best way for somebody to be in touch with you if somebody wants to get in touch with you on social, on LinkedIn? Uh, yeah. Tell me a little bit about what, how can they get in touch with you? Sure. You can. Uh, my email address is my first initial and last name, D. Friedman at mywealthq.com. Feel free to email me directly. Uh, on LinkedIn, I'm uh, linkedin.com backslash in backslash UNHW. <laughs> so oh, nice. You got a good one. I got. The, I, I did get the good one. So yeah. I'm on LinkedIn as well. And uh, and obviously people can reach out to you. They have their your contact. So yep. feel free to email you and say, hey, I'd like to talk to David about these courses or what whatnot. So. Absolutely. So again, make sure you guys... Uh, download the free uh, toolkit, if you will. Go to mywealthq.com forward slash free dash referral. Excuse me. Yeah, dash toolkit. Again, Michael at Marketing Luxury Group, if you guys need this information again, you're driving, you're working out, just shoot me an email. And as always, if you guys are getting value, 
David just gave 43 minutes of content nuggets um, to recap. We covered a lot today, everything from defining high net worth individuals to ultra high net worth individuals. We talked about passions, hobbies, and interests. We talked about five questions, bespoke questions. And again, trust. How do you build trust? Because these individuals are skeptical. So David, just thank you so much. Just some great information. Um, I'm going to reach back out to you here uh, as we'd love to have you on an upcoming live uh, stream that we're, we're creating a, a webinar series on the state of luxury real estate. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you, hey, Michael. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, you were an excellent guest. Again, for those of you that uh, want access to the free uh, referral toolkit, reach out to me directly, michael at marketingluxurygroup.com. And if you want more interest, more information and interested in his course with the promo code, reach out as well. Don't forget, if you want to get certified in luxury, if you're passionate and you're committed to increasing your average sale price in 2024, then you should find out more information on our luxury designation Go to Luxury Listing Specialist. I'm your host, Michael Lafito. You guys are great. Keep raising the bar in real estate. And to remember, please remember to prove others wrong. Take care, everybody. Until next time, you're listening to another episode of the Luxury Specialist Podcast. Take care.